Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Um, this morning, I want to continue a series we started last week um, called Escape Room. And um, during this series, we're talking about some things that, uh, for many of us, we need to escape. We need to get past. Um, I talked about last week how even though the series is called Escape Room, I hate escape rooms because I'm impatient. Um, and so, but some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about over, over the next few weeks are, are things that we've been way too patient with because we haven't been able to, to get outside or maybe we just haven't been determined enough to say, I'm, I'm done with it, I'm through, of it, through with it. Today I want to talk about escaping, escaping fear. Escaping fear. And it is total coincidence, actually, because I didn't have enough forethought that this comes the day after Halloween. Um, when we talk a lot about fear, but I think, it, I think it's fitting because I think a lot of us this morning, if, if we, were, we were honest, it's, we've been fighting some type of fear for, for a long time, and we need an escape plan. We need something to, to get past it. We've been fighting that battle of fear for, for decades, whether it's in a particular situation in our life or whether it's just us being a fearful person, we've been fighting that for a long time. And so this morning, I want to I want to try. I don't I don't have any magical words for you, um, but I just want to try to change your perspective a little bit and help you see some truth um, about the battle that you fight of fear. I asked on Facebook this past week uh, some common fears that people's children had uh, that were funny but were real to them. And some 175 responses later, let me just read a few of you, a few of the ones that, that, that people commented. These are, these are things that their children were scared of growing up, and whether they're still young or, or they've out, outgrown it, they've grown up. These are some things that, legitimate fears that people, that kids had. Mariachi bands? Maybe it's the big guitar? I don't know, but the sound of mariachi bands reminds me of my favorite food, Mexican food, and Anytime there's Mexican food around or I'm reminded of it, I'm a happy man. Mariachi bands, clocks with hands. So I guess like an analog clock. Didn't quite, um, didn't quite get that one. Um, bees, maybe there's an allergic reaction we're scared of. Funny enough, several people mentioned toilets in some way or the other. Does anybody have a fear of toilets? Flushing toilets. Somebody said an automatic flushing toilet, which I guess I kind of get. Um, because it's like you didn't do anything, and all of a sudden, whoosh, afraid you're going to get like sucked down in. I don't know. Um, somebody said their closet, which makes sense because that's where monsters live, right? Kids, if you're in here, there are no monsters, okay? I don't want to get an email this week about how I convinced your child there were monsters in their closet. Somebody said the top bunk, which makes a little bit of sense because you could fall off. A flask water. I'm thinking maybe there was some punishment issued at one point with a flyswatter that um, they recall every time they see it come out. Clowns. Makes sense, right? Balloons. I, I want some, knew somebody who was absolutely terrified of balloons popping. Anybody got that one? 
um, hated the sound of balloons popping. Somebody said, several people said theme park characters and mascots. Makes sense. And then somebody else said ceiling fans. Like, I want to know the story that led to your fear of ceiling fans. You know, it's like, did they throw you in the air and maybe your head got, I, I, I don't know. But somebody said ceiling fans. So our little boy, he's, he's six. Several years ago, he was watching a, a Curious George video. And it had this scarecrow in there called No Noggin. Anybody ever seen this before? He was terrified for weeks. We tried to explain to this four-year-old how, how cartoons work. We tried to explain to him that this was just a made-up thing. Literally, for weeks, this boy didn't want to go to bed because every time he closed his eyes, he saw no noggin. My question for you this morning is, what are you scared of? What are you, what are you fearful, for, fearful of? Because as we get a little older, we, we leave some things behind. We we don't believe there's monsters in our closet anymore. We know that a cartoon character isn't real and, and can't hurt us, but what are, you, what are you scared of? They get bigger, don't they? Your fears get more real, don't they? The things that keep you up at night, they get a little more tangible, don't they? They get a little, a little heavier. What, what, what do you fear? Is it missing out on the purpose God created you for? Is it do you fear being a, a bad parent? It's one of mine. Do you, do you fear going broke or running out of money? Do you fear losing control of something? Do you fear getting sick? Hello? That one hits hard right now. Do you, do you fear what people say about you, what people's opinions are of you? Do you... Do you fear falling back into an addiction that you thought was, was past you? Do you fear worthlessness? What, what, what do you fear? What are those things that, that if you were honest this morning, whether you're male or female, because females, I think sometimes it's easier for you to put words to your fear and call it fear, but whether you're male or female and you're willing to admit it, what are the things that, that you fear? Because here's what I know, your biggest fears will shape your most consistent actions. Let me prove it. Anybody scared of heights? I'm terrified of heights. Heights, people, will you ever ride that big drop thing at the theme park? No, because you're, you're scared of heights. If you're scared of the dark, there's adults on my Facebook page that admitted they were scared of the dark. If you're scared of the dark, what do you do? You leave a light on. If you're scared of failure, if you have a fear of failure, what do you do? Never try anything new, do you? If you're scared of losing that relationship, another relationship, not being this not being the one that you thought it was either, what will you do? You'll eventually come to some sort of conclusion that all men or all women are blank so that you can avoid that, right? Your biggest fear will shape your most consistent actions. Today, I want to speak from the subject of scared to death. Scared to death. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, I would really encourage you, um, especially, especially if you don't read the Bible a lot even, I would encourage you to, there's, there's some really interesting stories around this story that I'm going to talk about today. 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story about a floating axe head. It's all kind of crazy stuff. I would encourage you to, 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 to read the chapter before and the chapter after, just a few different chapters. Don't be scared of the Old Testament, but just there's some really interesting stories here. But just to kind of set up 2 Kings chapter 6, 
there was a king of a country named Aram. Aram. Why did I almost say that? Of Aram. They were an enemy to Israel. And the funny part was, was every time Aram would go to attack Israel, God would give the prophet, who is someone who speaks for God, listens to God, speaks for God, but God would give the prophet Elisha the battle plan that Aram was going to use to attack the Israelites. So what did Elisha do? He would go to the king of Israel and he would say, this is the way they're going to attack. And they never lost. So finally the king of Aram has enough of this. He figures out what's going on. It's this Elisha guy's fault. And so he decides, I'm going to find out where he is and I'm going to take him out because if I can take him out, then my plans won't be won't, won't, won't be foiled every time I go to attack. So sure enough, he finds out where Elisha is, which it's really interesting because if God's revealed to Elisha the plan of the army, doesn't he think they'll, God will reveal this one to Elisha too? So they find out where Elisha is, and they send horses and chariots to attack him. He's in a small town. And that's where we'll pick up the story because Elisha has a a servant who goes outside one day, and this is what it says in 2 Kings 6.15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Say everywhere. Everywhere. So the servant turns to Elijah and says, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out. Isn't this what fear feels like? It feels like you just stepped outside one day and all of a sudden the things that you feared were there. Like you were surrounded by your fear. Whatever that thing is, when, when fear strikes and when we have a deep-seated fear inside of us, that's what it feels like. It feels like no matter where you go, that thing is there, doesn't it? And the very thing that you feared, it seems like no matter where you turn, it's always popping back up. And so you try to, you try to move, try to move houses, try to change relationships, you try to change your geographical location, you try to change your mind, but no matter where you turn, fear is knocking at your door. No matter where you go, your heart starts to beat really fast. Anytime anything pops up that resembles the thing that you're, that you're fearful of. And so here's the servant of Elijah. He goes outside the tent, and all of a sudden, he is surrounded by horses and chariots. And keep in mind, this servant had no idea this was coming. Isn't that what fear does too? Like, you can have something that you've been battling for a long time. Maybe, maybe they said that the cancer had gone away. But it doesn't take much for fear to pop back in, does it? doesn't take but one word. Maybe, maybe you were starting to feel like you were, trying, you were starting to get some purpose in your life and you did feel some momentum in your life and then all of a sudden that person from your past reconnects with you and all of a sudden that fear pops back up. That's the thing about fear is it can be sneaky. So the servant steps outside one day and he all of a sudden he is surrounded and it came out of nowhere. He never saw it coming. And now oftentimes fear will get you when you're least prepared for it. Some of you that have been battling fear for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. It's that thing from your childhood that every time you think you've moved past it, something brings it, brings it back up again. Fear is, 
fear is sneaky. And so the servant goes outside. He sees their surround, and he says, what will we do? Fear can paralyze you sometimes. You don't know where to turn. You don't know how to, how to overcome it. You don't know how to get rid of it because you know it's, it, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a crazy fear. You know you can't do anything about it. You know you can't control it. You know that you should, you should trust God with it. You know you should believe what the doctors say. You, you know you shouldn't worry about your finances. You know you shouldn't worry about your children. You've raised them the best you can, but, but you're stuck. And you're paralyzed because the fear keeps popping up out of nowhere and it overwhelms you. And in this situation, for somebody that's truly battling fear or really needs God to come through on something, telling them that God is powerful does no good, does it? Like, really, if you're really struggling with some fear, especially if you've been a believer for a while, the worst, one of the worst things I can tell you is God is powerful. Because you know that, right? Doesn't that make you feel even worse? When you're battling something, when you're trying to let go, when you're trying to give it up, when you're trying to, to overcome that, that fear, that, that thing, one of the worst things I can do is tell you that God's got this. Because then you feel like, then you feel even worse. You're like, I know that's the right answer, but it don't feel like it. I'm still fearful. I'm still struggling. And so this servant, I don't, I don't think in this moment when he steps outside and he sees the horses and the chariots all around him, I don't think he was doubting God's power because remember, he had been with Elijah already. He had talked with Elijah and he had seen the, the work of God in Elijah and through Elijah's life. Elijah had, had performed miracles. He had, he had defeated a lot of stuff. He had, he, this servant even saw when Elijah would spoil the plans of the, of the king of Aram. This servant did not doubt the power of God. But I think, I wonder if this servant didn't doubt what a lot of us do. We don't doubt the power of God. We doubt that God will use his power because he cares for us. Do you ever get there? Like, yeah, I, I, believe, I believe God's powerful. I believe the stuff that I've read in the Bible. Like, I believe it. Like, I'm crazy enough. I actually believe this stuff. I believe he's powerful. I, I just don't know that he cares enough about me. And, and that's exactly what fear will do, and that's exactly what fear wants to do, is it wants, it wants you to doubt who you are and your value. Because fear can, fear can do that. Anything that you fight over and over and over again will cause you to doubt your value, because then you start to beat up on yourself. Then you start to wonder, why can't I overcome this? Why isn't God doing something? And then before you know it, you've let fear even sink in more because now not only do you battle with that thing, but now you're questioning who you, who you are. I don't, I don't think the servant doubted God's power. I think he doubted God's care, and I also think he doubted God's timing. There's a lot of people in this room this morning, there's a lot of people that believe Scripture, and they don't doubt God, but they do doubt God's timing. You know, I can endure a lot of things if I know I have a timeline. Can't y'all? Like, I can, I can go through a lot of things. If you give me a timeline and you tell me when the end of this thing is, I can endure a lot of things. But God doesn't give us a timeline. And so for some of us, we've been struggling so long with, with, with that thing, with, 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 that, with that fear. And one of the reasons why we continue to let fear win in our lives is because we, we're doubting the timing of God. And so, yes, I know God's going to work 
all of this out, but I just wonder how long I'm going to have to suffer. Yes, I know God's going to eventually heal me, whether it's on this side or it's, it's in heaven. I know it'll eventually happen. I just don't want to suffer that long. And so we get to the point where we believe God is powerful enough, but we're not sure we want to follow out his timeline. Because what if it takes too long? What if he doesn't do what I want him to do when I want him to do it? And so the, the servant is, is obviously scared to death at this point. Horses and chariots surround him. He's literally just stepped outside. And this is what Elijah responds to him with. Verse 16. He says, don't be afraid. Easier said than done, Elijah. You have this great connection with God, right? Don't be afraid, for there are more on your side, on our side, than on theirs. Now, at this point, I think the servant's kind of blinking his eyes. Like, excuse me, are, are you looking at the same thing I am? Because I see a lot of opposing armies, chariots, and forces, and I ain't got nothing. So he's probably blinking his eyes, wondering if Elijah, like, started some morning drinking or something. I mean, he's, he's like, what, what, what's, what's, what's going on here? And Elijah continues. It says, then Elijah prayed. O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I think it's really interesting right there what Elisha prays for this servant. Because I would have prayed, and I feel like a good man of God, and had one of y'all come to me with a problem that was half this big, what I would have prayed was, God, get them out of this situation. God, take this thing away. God, take this fear, take this anxiety. God, take this sickness. God, take, 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 take the agony in this relationship. Take it away. Take them out of the situation. Isn't that what you usually pray? Like, God, send the surprise check. God, help for my kids to act better and for me not to kill them. Right? Like you want out of the situation, but that's not what Elijah prays here. What does he pray? He says, God, open their eyes. As I look through, through Scripture, I don't usually see the heroes of the Bible praying to get out of situations. I see them praying that they would see God in the situation. So Elijah prays for the servant, God, open his eyes. That's my prayer for us this morning is that God would open our eyes. That God, would, that God would, would open your eyes so that you could, you could see through the fear, so that you could see through the disappointment, and you could see at, 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 another, at another level. That God would open your eyes for some of you for the first time ever that today, that you would really believe that what we're telling you up here is true and that he does care for you, that he does fight for you, that it may feel like you're surrounded, but that he is surrounding what's surrounded you. My prayer today is that you would see at a new level the things that God has in store for you, the way that God can help you overcome that fear. My prayer for you today is not that you would get out of every situation that you face, but that God would give you eyes to see him in the midst of it. So Elijah prays. God, open, open, his, open his eyes. And I don't have time to unpack it all today, but God still does the same thing for us. 
that when it, when it feels, like, feels like fear is surrounding you, and when it, when it, when it, when it feels like you're all alone, and, and I've been trying to think all for, for, for a month now, how, how can I describe this to you? And the best way that I can describe to you is that just like this opposing army has forces and chariots to send against Elijah, God has an army and forces to send on your behalf as well. And the best way that I can think to describe it is, if you've ever been outside during the summer and you've seen an ant mound, and maybe you don't see anything on top of it, maybe there's a couple little ants crawling on it. Have you ever taken your foot out of sheer ignorance or stupidity and put it as hard as you could into the ant mound? What happens? Ants go everywhere. And I know it's a rough illustration because we don't like ants, but that's what God is doing for you behind the scenes. Like you may only see the top of the ant mound and it may not look good right now and you may feel lonely and it may look like God has left you there alone. But if you could just see at another level, if you could just see how, how if you could just have your eyes open and see how much he cares for you and how he operates at a different place, some of those fears would begin to drift away because you would see his power and his love. His attention is never divided. He's always watching you and you and you and you and you. Heaven's attention is never divided. He has his eye on all of us at the same time, and he has unlimited resources to dispatch and to send on your behalf. And this is really good news when you start thinking about fear. Because one of the things that I know is that some of you have very real fears that probably aren't going to change anytime soon. Like, corona, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you fear getting sick, it's a, it's a real fear. It's not going away anytime soon. Some of you, you're, you're, you're fearing that your, your home's going to get foreclosed on. And right now, you don't have a job. That fear may not, go around, not, may not go away anytime soon. But I love this thought because it means that even though my situation may not change, I still don't have to fear if I have my eyes open. We're so good at seeing what God's not doing, aren't we? Have you ever thought about that? Like, we're really good at seeing what God should do, especially when it's our thing, Right? Like when it's your thing, you are really good at, at saying what God should do. You're really good at asking him to do something. You're really good at asking him to take you out of a situation. We're really good at knowing what God didn't do. What I'm asking you to do today is to look at how God is moving. What he is doing in the midst of that thing that, that you fear. That we could see at a, a different level. Verse 17 of that verse, I love the song Surrounded. And I think verse 17 is, is where that song comes from. It says that the servant went outside and he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And, and the picture that I, I, I would love to give you is if you feel like you're being surrounded by fear, by depression, you feel like you're being surrounded by anxiety, 
burdens of your family and burdens of your children, if you feel like you're being surrounded, the, the picture that I want you to get in your head is there's something surrounding you, but God's surrounding it. It may seem like everywhere you turn, fear is knocking at your door. But if you could just see another layer in, another layer out, you would see that the very thing that you feel like is surrounding you, God is surrounding. And because his child is in the middle of it, he will not let you lose And how do you fight the battle? How do you fight the battle of fear? It does start with declaring and singing out and telling him, God, I know you're bigger than this. Thank you that you surround me. How do you fight the battle and overcome fear? It does start with changing your perspective and looking at how he's moving in the midst of the thing that is holding you back. How do you fight this battle? You do it by trusting there's there's another way, there's another dimension that you really are that important to him. Don't let anybody convince you that he has backed away from you or he has pulled his hand from you. So Elijah prays again in verse 18. It says, as the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. So now Elisha's prayed two prayers, right? One, open the servant's eyes. Number two, make the enemy blind. And I just think it's interesting that he prayed two different prayers for God to give people two different perspectives. My question is, what do you choose to see? Do you choose to see the the fear, the doom? Do you choose to be blind or do you choose to have your eyes open and see the battle that God fights on your behalf? So Elisha has a plan. Verse 19. It says, Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. So keep in mind, they're blind. Elisha goes out. You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me. And I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. Isn't that funny? He's like, hey, y'all, y'all follow me. And since they didn't know where they were going, he just led them to another city. It's, it's like he's, he's herding cattle to the wrong pasture and just leaving them. And then verse 20 says, as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. And can't you imagine they were like, Ah, shoot, he did it again. He did it again. And so God doesn't necessarily, God does remove the thing that had the servant fearful. But the servant had to see at another level before it was removed. God didn't didn't immediately take the servant out of the fight. But he showed the servant some things while the army was still surrounding them. My question to you is, what is God showing you in the midst of your fight? 
Because you've been asking him that he would take you out. But maybe he's trying to do something while you're in. And of course, the Second Kings is an Old Testament book, but Jesus speaks to the same thing as well in John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world does. In other words, what? It's at, a, it's at, another, it's at another level. It's at a deeper place. Because the army may still be there. So not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Easier said than done, right? But we have to see it another place, another dimension. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're in this room this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus. And you feel like this morning he's... He's doing something inside of you because you've been living with fear for a long time. And some of that is, is, is just the fear of oh, what, happens in, what happens after I die. Jesus came and he made a way for us to be reunited with God in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our mistakes. Jesus died on a cross, took on the sins of the world, and three days later he would raise from the grave. And he would say, anybody that believes, believes this story and confesses me as Lord, I'll, I'll take to heaven with you, with me. So if that's you this morning and you just need to surrender to Jesus, just say, God, I'm tired of fighting alone. I can't do it. I can't get enough stuff right. And so I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I don't know what it all looked like, but I believe it. So you come into my life and, and change me. Guide my life. Let me see your work in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you some practical steps. How do you send being scared to its death? Let me just give you some practical steps. And these aren't magic pills to swallow. Some of it's just God showing you some things. But this will help you get started. Number one is decide. Decide, is this, is this thing that I'm fearing even a legitimate fear? It's easy for us to laugh at a kid for fearing a flushing toilet. But some of the things we fear are just as ridiculous they're just more grown up. Is this even a legitimate fear? Could this ever really happen? Number two, encourage yourself. The servant in 2 Kings 6 seemed to quickly forget all he had seen God do as he had been with Elijah. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When fear pops up, it's easy to forget all of the ways you've seen God do it in the past. Encourage yourself, remind yourself of how faithful 
God has been. And if you can't quite believe in the God thing, just remind yourself of how things just happened to work out in the past. It's God, of course. Encourage yourself. Number three, acknowledge the source. Let me just say this. Fear is never from God. Never. Conviction can be. He can certainly use fear to show you something new, but fear is never from God. So if you're fearful, acknowledge the source. Because if you can acknowledge the source, then you know it's a lie. Number four, talk it out. Pray. Talk with somebody you know about this fear. Talk with someone who's been there and done that. Talk it out. Psalm 56, 3 through 4, the psalmist says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Some of you need to write down that verse, and that needs to be the verse that you pray when fear pops up. You talk with somebody, but you also declare that to God. What can mere mortals do to me? What can that thing do to you? What can horses and chariots and an opposing army do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? God, open my eyes to see your work. Talk it out. And then the last one is honor God. As much as I don't want to say it this morning, sometimes we fear because we haven't been honest in the past. And we fear that something's going to catch up to us. Honor God. Try to live your life in a way that, that moves you towards what he wants for you rather than, rather than away. So this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, one more time, I want us to, I want to, do, I want us to do some business real quick. I want you to think about that thing that you either fear or if you don't have a fear that comes to your mind, that thing that you're battling right now. Some of you thought of it really quick. If you have something in your mind, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Thank you. I just want to pray for you. I want you to keep that thing in your mind, and then as I pray, I want you to, to feel it kind of lifting off of you as, you as I pray that you would see what God is doing at a, at a new level and that you would look for the things that he is doing rather than seeing everything he's not doing. God, thank you for some really honest people in front of me. God, I have done my, my best to communicate what you have shown me and Lord I feel like there's some people under the sound of my voice and they don't have a fear they have multiple fears they're ridden with fear so Lord I pray whatever is on their mind right now Lord I don't pray that you would remove it I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in it God, that, that they would see how dearly loved they are and that like the servant, that they would open up their eyes and they would see how heaven itself 
is surrounding that thing they feel like is surrounding them. God, let them see it. Let them feel it right now at this very moment to just feel a sense of overwhelming calm that they haven't felt ever before. And God, to know that that's from you. And while fear may always knock at their door, you're on the other side. Thank you for how you move in our midst. God, thank you for allowing me to teach your word. God, thank you for some amazing people that aren't perfect, but are always willing to to listen. God, may you reveal yourself to them in Jesus' name. Amen.